And I'm Cadaver Dad Jeff Burnham. And we are coming to you from Frankenstein's Monkey Farm. Happy almost Halloween, everybody. Yeah. Getting there so close. So close. We can taste it. And it tastes Mm. like... Pumpkins. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, I was leaving that open for you, trying to see what you were going to say. I thought maybe you'd say candy corn. I thought maybe you'd say candy in general. Pumpkins. Good call. Or pumpkin spice, perhaps. Oh. Mmm. Right. Yeah. Mmm. 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 All right. What are we doing today? We are doing Night of the Living Dead. From what year? Do you remember? No, not at all. 1968. George A. Romero's. Night of the Living Dead, the original, the classic. The classic. Not the remake, because there's a remake of all of them, even the sequels. Well, of Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, anyway, yes. Yeah, but there's a sequel to the sequel. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to explain to Al earlier how confusing all of that is. Yeah, since there's a sequel to the remake of Dawn of the Dead, that's a sequel. (laughs) Not quite. So you got Night of the Living Dead, which has a remake. You've got Dawn of the Dead, which has a remake. But the original Dawn of the Dead was released in Italy as Zombie, which itself in Italy had four sequels. So Dawn of the Dead, which was a sequel, had four sequels in Italy under a different title. So it was a sequel that had sequels. Yes. But then Day of the Dead had a remake. And that remake, I believe, had a sequel. Yeah. Something like that. Day of the Dead 2 Contagion? Something? Yeah, since Day of the Dead's a sequel, but that's a remake of a sequel. But that remake of a sequel has a sequel. It's very confusing. Even confuse myself while I'm talking. But never mind all that. We're not talking about sequels or remakes or remakes of sequels or sequels to sequels or sequels to remakes of sequels. None of that business. We're here to talk about the original Night of the Living Dead. Night of the Living Dead. Let's go. So why didn't you like it very much originally? So I was like, oh, it's just people in a house trying to get away from zombies. Oh, this is super boring. I don't like this movie. Yeah? Were you baby Mm -hmm. talking like that too? I don't like this movie. It's about people with the zombies. Dad. (laughs) No. Is that how you think you talk? No. (laughs) Well... All right. So fair enough. I mean, it's not a movie that is super exciting, especially during the middle part, which is them trying to survive. You know, they're trying to set up the house in such a way that they won't die. Yeah. But at the end, well. Right to the end. Cadavercast fashion. Dad. You were talking about the middle. So I was going to talk about the end. Nope, nope, nope. Just usual cadaver cast format. Dad, Start no. the show, talk about the end of the movie, then work our way backwards. 
that it start, middle, end. So you went from middle, so I go to end. Oh, is that how that works? <laughs> well, it's technically that's in the middle, actually. Mm-hmm. Well, but anyway, um, like what you were saying, though, before we go to the end of the movie, what you were saying is that the whole middle chunk where it's about them trying to figure out how to survive wasn't exciting to you when you were younger. Yeah, but now it's kind of exciting for me. Mm-hmm. What's changed? Because I thought that, like, oh, dude, there's, like, a bunch of monsters outside. How are they going to survive? Mm-hmm. So I keep seeing what they're doing and how their strategies get themselves inside so they, c- like, stay safe inside. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really where the horror comes from, right? It's, here are these people in this impossible situation. What are they going to do? And at the same time, you kind of have to think, like, what would I do? You know? Like, if I were in their situation, would I do the same thing? How would I deal with all of these ghouls? And, of course, they're not called zombies in the movie. They're called ghouls. Ghouls. But they are the original zombie, right? I mean, not the original original zombie, but the modern zombie is really based off of the George A. Romero Night of the Living Dead ghouls. The being shot in the brain and dying, you know, the slow sort of shambling and maybe breaking into a sprint at, a you know, the last second That sort of thing. Eating people's guts. (laughs) Since they do in the middle, or it's like in the middle. Where else are you going to find the guts except in the middle? I don't know. (laughs) That's a dad joke for you. You're welcome. Dad. I don't get that. I get The guts, they're in your middle. Oh, I see. (laughs) Dad jokes are bad enough without people having to then explain dad jokes. (laughs) The only thing unfunnier than a dad joke is a dad joke thoroughly explained yeah (laughs) dad your dad jokes are always super complicated yeah yeah they tend to be i'm a complicated guy what can i say you're not a complicated guy but your dad jokes are Mm, mm, i see i see i'm simple huh dad how would you describe me then in what way am i simplistic you're a person Oh, all people are simple, huh? A big, a very big person. I'm not that big. I mean, I'm pretty average size, really. Actually, yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm like, whatever, 5'10". That's pretty average height, you know? Nothing spectacular there. Yeah, I'm only 4'1". 4'1". On your way up, though. (laughs) Yep. Skyward. Skyward! (laughs) We're getting nowhere here. Buzz off. All right. So, Night of the Living Dead. You didn't like it, but now you do, right? And you like it so much, in fact, that you put it on your spookiest movies list, which is actually a good thing to be on that list. Yeah. You know, uh, which we, of course, did an episode about earlier this month. I believe it would be the first release of October. So go back and check that out if you haven't. We won't tell you where it is on his list, but it's on there. And we said on that episode that we should do a review of the movie, like a full review. That's why we're doing it right now. And here we are. Go figure. So what do you want to talk about here? I want to talk about the beginning. I really like that the first Barbara, we meet her. You would think she's the main character, but she's not really. Mm -hmm. She's sort of a red herring of a protagonist. We think she's the protagonist at first because we meet her first, 
we don't actually meet the protagonist until 15 minutes or about 14 minutes into the movie, which is who? Ben. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Ben. It's not Barbara. It's not her. Like, in spite of the fact that, yeah, she opens the movie. She's our protagonist of the first sequence of the movie. But she's not the protagonist of the whole movie. Why not? What happens to Barbara? Her brother's like, they're coming to get you, Barbara. Then one of the ghouls Mm -hmm. tries to kill her. So then I think it's John. Johnny? Johnny. Johnny. Runs away. Then at the end of the movie, you see that he's a zom or a ghoul. Yeah, a ghoul. A zom ghoul. <laughs> a zom ghoul. I was going to say zombie, but they're ghoul. A ghoulby? Dad. <laughs> <laughs> so they're not. He gets, well, he actually gets his head cracked on a tombstone. He by, does? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first ghoul, the, or cemetery zombie, as he's referred to on Letterboxd, uh, played by Bill Hinsman. Who I had the opportunity to meet just a few months before he died, actually. Ghoul number one. I met him, yeah, just a few months before he died. I think he died like three months later. And I got him to sign my DVD of Night of the Living Dead. You know, so I've got that. And that was nice. He was a a sweet dude. So, um, yeah, he comes out and kills Johnny. And then she runs away. But what does that do to Barbara? It, like, makes her very silent, basically. Yeah, she's she like goes living... into shock. Yeah, and she's just there. She doesn't talk that much. Mm-hmm. She's just there. Yeah, she has this, like, sort of nervous breakdown, like a PTSD, like this traumatic mental collapse after yeah. Johnny dies. Absolutely. And so she stops being our protagonist pretty quickly in favor of Ben. Yeah, Ben gets wood and stuff. Yeah, well, oh, can we go back? I do want to talk about one thing. My favorite line in the movie is in that opening scene. Everybody, of course, always quotes, They're coming to get you, Barbara. You know, everybody quotes that. Her response to that is my favorite line in the movie. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it. You're ignorant. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. The you're ignorant. (laughs) Yeah. And like she, he says, they're coming for you. She's mm-hmm. like, stop it. You're acting like a child. Johnny. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is a movie I have seen as many times as I've seen any other movie in my life. I've watched this so much since I was a teenager. I mean, I had a copy of it on VHS when I was a teenager and I watched it endlessly. Yeah. <laughs> you were there, huh? No, I was not at all. <laughs> There's even um, a short film. And when I say short film, mind you, it's a thing that I shot on video with my friends when I was in like eighth grade. But we made a zombie movie when I was in eighth grade. It was a short film, like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes long that we shot on basically VHS. So it was before digital and all of that. But we made a zombie movie called Them or Me. And like the first part of it, we basically were just doing what happens in the first part of Night of the Living Dead where a guy goes into a place and then he starts telling his story about what happened to him. And then just like with um, Ben, when he's telling yeah. Barbara. Since you know? this gas, they say this gas truck came mm-hmm. with 16 of the ghouls. Yeah, like, and then it exploded and it blew up. Why didn't they have that in the movie, by the way? I don't know. Money. I bet you it's money. They started out with Barbara in a cemetery because that's relatively cheap and easy to do. 
However, if you're going to decide to open your movie with a guy, your protagonist, in a town with a gas truck exploding in a gas station, that's going to cost some money. So uh, that's probably one of the reasons why Ben isn't the protagonist in the first part of the movie. I know they could have rewritten it or whatever, but there are other reasons. Thematically and symbolically, it's also important that he isn't there at the start as well. But yeah, him telling that story is a really powerful part of the movie because then we're thinking, you know, wow, these things are out there causing all kinds of chaos. Yeah, and I like that because I can even imagine what that gas tank exploding and stuff looks like. Yeah, and we hear a similar story from Harry. Harry tells a story about how their car was flipped over by a bunch of them. These zombies, these ghouls are flipping over trucks, breaking into houses, blowing things up, all to do what? What do they want to do? They want to make more ghouls. Is that what they want to do? No. What do they what do they want? What they want is to eat people. Yes, simple as that. They want to eat. Right? They're driven by this impulse to eat people. What happens when they bite a person though? They turn into zombies. Yep, unless I guess they get completely eaten like a couple of our characters do. Yep. So if they get bitten, then the people in the movie turn into ghouls themselves. Yeah, and Harry gets turned into a ghoul. Spoilers (laughs) for a movie that came out in 1968 that all of you rightly should have seen by this point. It's actually in the public domain, so there's no reason you shouldn't have seen it. It is freely available for you to download. What is it even called? What? What is it that called? What? There's like a movie that you can freely download. Night of the Living Dead. You can freely download it. It's in the public domain. Uh, The public domain is a pool of works that are owned by the public. That's why they're called public domain, meaning that after a certain amount of time, things that are in copyright cease to be in copyright and they become the property of the public. This is because um, logically, like reasonably speaking, the creator of any work of art can't possibly profit off that work of art forever because human beings die. So here's what happens, right? They copyright something, they get exclusive rights to profit off of it for a limited amount of time. And after that time, it then becomes owned by the rest of society. And this is a good thing because the media that we consume define our realities, right? It defines our worlds and shapes the way that we think and feel and what kind of people we are. And so eventually what happens is that we get the rights to these things because, again, they've defined our world. So that's a good thing, right? Usually this happens because the copyright lapses because it's copyrighted for a super long amount of time. But in the case of Night of the Living Dead, the copyright lapsed because during its redistribution, they forgot to put a copyright mark on the film itself. And so the film lapsed into public domain because they accidentally forgot to put the copyright on it. So legally, the entirety of America owns that movie. So like you or I could go put it out on DVD. We couldn't use like the criterion transfer or whatever. We'd have to use that public domain transfer. But we'd have we could like go out and put it on DVD, sell it. We can do whatever we want with it because we as the public own it. Oh, and that's cool. the public domain. And there are a lot of there are a lot of things like that. 
Um, corporations are fighting against the public domain because one, people don't know about the public domain. So it's really easy for them to fight against it when people don't know about it. And two, it doesn't benefit the corporations because then the corporations stop making money off of things when it lapses into public domain, or at least that's what they think. So, um, you know, it's a whole conversation that maybe isn't the most appropriate for a family friendly podcast because most people aren't that interested in copyrights. But it is something that I have studied extensively and taught about extensively. So there you go. But it's in the public domain. So, yeah, all of you can go out and watch it online, legally speaking, wherever. You know, you can go on YouTube Hmm. and it's on YouTube and you can just watch it for free. Or you could buy the really beautiful Criterion Collection Blu-ray, which is how we watched it today. Yeah, it has like literally all of them, even the sequels. No, it does not. No, 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 no. It's got an early work print cut of the movie, though. Yeah. Anyway, enough about copyright and Blu-rays and things like that. Let's get back to the movie. What do you want to talk about? What interests you most in this movie? What interests me most is that, like, the things that they pull out, since some of our main characters, the truck that they have explodes... Because they get try to get gas, then the gas uh-huh. gets all over the car and sets it on fire, then it blows up. And that kills two of our main characters, or two of the people trapped in the house, you know, trying to survive. Yes, so Tom and Judy get killed. Yeah, then the zombies, or the ghouls, come and eat them. I really like the one that has, like, the bone. It's a tiny bone. But then it goes down. Has to be like a chicken wing bone. Yeah, I figured that's where you were going with this. So what interests you most is kind of the gore, right? It's a really gory movie for 1968. Super gory. But it's in black and white, so you don't get all the blood and stuff like that. But you're right. The parts that they're eating don't really look like human parts. Since they're all, the bones are tiny. Yeah, they're small bones. Like it might look like kind of a femur bone or something, but it's too small to be a human femur. So it must be like a pork bone or something like that, right? Yeah, since that one thing that went down had to be like a wing of a chicken or something. Sure, I don't know. And that's what they would do is they'd get animal parts. And then have people sort of chew on them. So the actors on set, especially when you get more into like Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, the actors are super excited to be there. And so Romero would give them like animal guts to chew on. And so they would just start like biting into like a, you know, a beef liver or something like that. Yeah. On screen. For a little snack, like during the movie. I I don't know about for a snack. I think it's in the interest of being a good on screen zombie. Yeah. But I would say it would be good to do that because the actors get to eat something (laughs) while they're doing acting. Raw animal guts is hardly uh, proper catering (laughs) for your cast. Why is it raw? Well, because they, I mean, it has to be raw in order. I mean, if they cook it, then it looks like it's a meal, but it has to be raw because it has to look like it was ripped out of a human being. Oh, okay. I see now. Okay. Okay. So now that you know it's raw, would you eat a raw beef liver for a snack? No. No? I don't think so. Yeah. If I gave you like a little chicken heart or something raw, would you eat that? No, I don't even eat chicken hearts. Oh, man, you don't know what you're missing. Are they good? I don't know. I've never had them. (laughs) (laughs) 
But I used to live down the street from a place that did deep fried chicken hearts. It was like a little, oh. uh, kind of like a little party store out in the middle of nowhere in Marcellus, Michigan. And they did chicken hearts, little deep fried chicken hearts. Was it good? I don't know. I told you I've never had it before. Oh. The people who ate them said they were really good, but they were people who were eating deep fried chicken hearts. So I don't know. I wasn't one of them because the idea alone was uh, offensive to me. Yeah, me too. They had Since... a very they had a movie rental section in that store though, little sidetrack. And one of the things I remember being there was Killer Tomatoes Eat France. Eat France? <laughs> I believe that's what it's called. Killer Tomatoes Eat France or Eat Paris or something like that. One of the later sequels. I've never seen it, but I always thought about renting it from there. And I just never did. Is it like a movie? Yeah, yeah. Oh. That's like the third or fourth Killer Tomatoes movie. Oh, there's sequels? Yeah, you. we covered the first two on the show. Killer Tomatoes and what? Uh, Return of the Killer Tomatoes, I believe. Oh, cool. That was the first thing we ever recorded, actually. Oh, it was Dracula was first. Mm, that was the first episode we ever released. The first episode we ever recorded was our Killer Tomatoes one. We did that as a test. That was our test recording. Yeah. So that is, listeners, if you want to go back and hear the earliest, youngest version of Alistair we ever got on the show, it's in that third episode, I believe, the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes episode. Did we do Return? When was Return? It was on the same episode. We did both of them in one episode. Hmm. So we should do Eat France or something? I don't know, man. We'd have to find it and watch yeah. it and whatever. But we're here to talk about Night of the Living Dead, which we're not doing very much. No, of. we're not doing that almost like at all. We're just talking about like side things. Yep. We're just like talking about one thing, then getting sidetracked, and then going back and then getting sidetracked. I wonder why that is. It's not that the movie's boring. I think it's just that maybe we've talked about it so much, you and me, like together. So, I don't know, maybe maybe we just feel it's personally beneficial to talk about something else. I don't know. But whatever the reason, let's get back to it. What do you uh, want to talk about other than animal guts? Let's see. I really like when, at the end, Harry's daughter finally mm-hmm. becomes the ghoul. Yeah. And then eats his arm off. <laughs> yeah, she does. His arm is totally gone, man. I mean, I'm sure she didn't eat the whole thing, but even still, yeah, she took that thing off. Yeah, and stabbed her mom that I forgot her name was? Um, Helen? Yeah, I think it's Helen. She stabbed her with, um... A a, trowel. A trowel, like, in the chest. And you actually have a poster of Karen, the little girl, with the trowel in your bedroom. And it's signed by her. Mm Mm-hmm. Kira Sean, I believe is her name. And yeah, she signed that for you and signed it to you, as a matter of fact. Uh, You were pretty young at the time. You were maybe four or five at the time. I don't remember, but that was about the time I had her sign it for you so that I could put it in your room. I never knew who that was signed by. I'm like, what is that picture from? Even though (laughs) I watched Night of the Living Dead, I'm still like, what is that picture from? You didn't remember? (laughs) No. no, and it's also a poster, mm-hmm. like it's a cartoon version of her done by Mitch O'Connell, who you all probably will have seen imagery from recently because he did that famous They Live Trump mashup. So uh, that's been around the Internet a lot. But 
Mitch O'Connell did that artwork for that poster for an event that I was at, one of like those movie marathons, and she was there. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I met her and I had her sign that for me, saying that you would appreciate it one day, even if you couldn't right then. And here we are, you're recording a podcast about it, so I guess you appreciate it now, huh? Yeah, and she was a grown-up, not a kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the movie was 1968, and this was, I don't know, 2015, 2016? Oh. The date's probably on that poster, as a matter of fact. I should go check, actually, but... You can if you want. We can pause this and you can run and check. Yep. So, we're back. All right, what'd you find out? Well, it didn't say the year, but it did uh... say Saturday, April 12th. Okay, okay. So it would have been at one of the Terror in the Isles events. Yeah, it said Sci-Fi Movie Massacre. Oh, was it at the Sci-Fi one? I think... It said 24 hours of movie madness. Mm, okay. Well, that would have been, it seems... Oh, man. Yeah, no, you'd have been three at the time. Uh, or no, not even three. You'd have been two and a half. Uh, that was in uh, 2014. So, Whoa. there we go. I mean, at least knowing the date, that helped. So <laughs> It did? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and that was the one where uh, Doug Jones was there. Who's Doug Jones? Doug Jones plays all the monsters in, or like, not all the monsters, but a lot of the monsters in Guillermo del Toro's movies, including the main monsters in Pan's Labyrinth. And he's also the fish man in the Hellboy movies. So, yeah, he was there. Wait, there's a fish man in the Hellboy movies? <laughs> I know, you still haven't seen Hellboy. Although, I guess maybe we should watch it. We could always do an episode about it, too. You're right. What else do you want to talk about before we move into the segments? I do want to talk about, it says if you shoot them in the head, since they're controlled by radiation, mm. you shoot them in the brain and destroy the brain, they're dead. Yeah, and that's an interesting thing, is that when we talk about why the zombies exist in the first place, a lot of movies will give you very clear answers. This one gives us an answer, but the movie also isn't very certain about the answer or it doesn't give us a definitive answer the people in the movie believe that it's like radiation from venus yeah since so there's like this thing from on venus that has like it's like a it has radiation on it it was like a, a satellite or you know a little uh ship or an explorer type ship that they sent out there to take pictures of venus or something but and then on its it way got, back it got radiation and it so then they blew it up. Then And that's only given to us as a potential cause. Not the cause, but a potential cause. But then our main character Ben, mm -hmm. um since all of the ghouls got out and were by the house, so they thought Ben was a ghoul. They shot oh, him. Oh, at the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So what do they do to him? They shoot him right in the middle of the eyes. Yeah, that's a gut punch of an ending. Ben makes it all the way through the movie, only to be shot by the militia. Yep. And that goes into some powerful, heartbreaking imagery that we get at the end of the movie there. But Ben dying, yeah, that's that's a gut punch, man. Yeah, punches Ooh. me in the gut, just like it's in the middle. In the middle, yep, right in your middle. Like act two. 
Dad. Gets you right in the act, too, doesn't it? Dad. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Dad, Joe? <laughs> so I had a question for you that I wanted to ask you earlier that I decided to wait for the show. But what makes Ben the protagonist and not Barbara? Even though Barbara opens the movie, you're saying she's not the protagonist. What makes Ben the protagonist? Because he literally just, like, saves literally almost everyone. Mm-hmm. Saves every single person in the house. You want to know a shorthand to understanding who the protagonist is? What? This is coming from your dad, who is a screenwriting instructor. The protagonist is the decision-making force of the film. Whichever character oh. is making the decisions that have the greatest impact on the story, that is your protagonist. Oh. Is there a pro-protagonist? A pro-protagonist? Like a professional protagonist? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, probably. Probably somebody Pro who's like... Pro-protagonist. Probably somebody who's the protagonist of multiple sequels. By the end of the series, they become a pro. Yeah. A pro-protagonist. Pro-protagonist. Like pro John McClane or Rambo or... Uh, I don't know. Dominic Toretto. <laughs> Dad. So although, although Dominic Toretto is not in the third Fast and the Furious movie so much. So technically he's not a pro protagonist. He's also the antagonist of the eighth one. And he's not even in Hobbs and Shaw. So I guess not him. Or maybe it's The Rock because The Rock comes in and steals those movies from him. He's such a pro that fight though he may old vin diesel just can't retain the protagonist spot in those movies maybe that's it yeah so he's a pro protagonist yeah what if there was an anti-pro protagonist that would be funny i guess that would be called an antagonist or an anti-protagonist that's an antagonist that's a pro antagonist the antagonist -antagonist. (laughs) and the antagonist To just wrap up that discussion is the character who provides the most resistance to the protagonist's pursuit of a goal. What does that mean? The protagonist is trying to pursue a goal and the antagonist is the one who's trying to prevent them most of all from achieving what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. So who is it in Night of the Living Dead? Well, okay. let's establish Ben's goal. What is Ben trying to do? He's trying to keep them alive in the house. Okay, so is there somebody who's actively standing in his way from being able to do that? A little bit Barbara and, like, a bunch Harry. It's Harry. It's 100% Harry. Because Ben has a very clear idea of how to keep everyone safe, which is to come up with contingency plan after contingency plan. You know, like, if we go down in the basement, then we're trapped in the basement. But if we stay up here... Then we can always run to the basement, but we also have the option of escaping upstairs, of escaping out a window, of, you know, um, having alternative approaches to any, you know, major crisis that happens to befall the house. But Harry has that one thing that he wants them to do. Stay in the basement, which just isn't smart. Yeah, because there's only one room in the basement. Yeah, and, and there's no way out. if they get in, you're dead. Exactly, exactly. Because, yeah. So he's definitely standing in Ben's way because the longer the movie goes on, Ben's trying to keep them all safe, but Harry's actions put them in danger. Yeah. So you're right, it is Harry. Absolutely. And they don't realize that their kid's a zombie. Yeah, I mean, he's also trying to lock them in the basement with a ghoul-to-be. Yeah. And then he becomes a ghoul. 
that's good. <laughs> and well, he dies, so that's extra good. Extra good for uh, Ben, I guess, and for no, the for audience's the whole... catharsis? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay. It's just my opinion. I just don't like Harry that well, much. Well, yeah, but we don't kill people that we don't like. But in I a movie know. like that, Harry is actually getting people killed. Right? Yeah. He's trying to get people killed. How? So, I mean, he tries to, you know... Uh, leave Ben outside with the zombies. You know, he won't help out. He's, you know, he ends up getting his wife killed. How? Well, he's the one who keeps trying to send her in the basement, and eventually she goes in the basement. What happens? Their daughter turns into a ghoul. Yep, stabs her in the chest with a trowel. So, yeah, absolutely. He's the antagonist because he's the one who's ultimately standing in Ben's way, but he's also the one who's at fault for a lot of the bad things that happen at the end of the movie. Not all yeah. of them, but a lot of them. You know, he certainly doesn't help. He stands in Ben's way. Yeah. But without any further ado here, let's talk about some other stuff that we like that interests us in the movie by moving into our segments. It's time for Beastly Bests. All right. What's your favorite or coolest monster moment in the movie? We've, you've heard about this so many times. It's when the one ghoul is munching on the chicken wing. Yeah, you like the I chicken really wing like munching that. zombie? <laughs> I'm like, that's definitely not a human bone. Mm. They have to be munching on a chicken bone. <laughs> the coolest one. There are a couple shots early in the movie where Ben is killing the zombies. You know, he's hitting them with the, what's he got, a crowbar? And he's killing them yeah. with the crowbar? And it shows him going to hit the zombie, and he hits him in the head, but it's clearly a dummy. And then it cuts yeah. to the shot of, like, the actor as the ghoul falling over. I like those dummy shots. I think those are really <laughs> awesome because they're, they're a split second, and you can easily miss them. But they help add that sense that these zombies are really getting cracked in the head. You know, he doesn't have to pull his punches or anything. He can actually swing that thing as hard as he can and just clobber them right in the face, you know? And yeah. I think those are cool shots. I love those dummy shots. Is there other dummy shots? Hmm, probably somewhere in there. Yeah. I like when the one woman that gets her face eats off, when he drags her on the carpet, mm -hmm. it's like a woman face. Yeah. The, and it's the... not creepy. Since you see her face, it's just blood. Yeah, That's they it. they find that um, body dead at the top of the stairs yeah but then <laughs> and she's like, like missing her face no you're right she's got yeah. like her face has been eaten off by the zombies and then when ben's dragging her away on the blanket for a split second she passes the camera and you can see her face and it's just a lady on the, the it's blanket just a with lady her eyes face, closed but then it's like her eyes closed but then there's like red no blood. gore nothing no not a thing nope if they had thought about it, they'd have put some ketchup or something on her face just to try to cover it up a little bit. But I don't they think did. they did. They did. No, there was nothing on her face. Not at all when they dragged her by. No. They didn't expect us to see her face, though. So I can't blame them, but we did see her face. You know, it's a low-budget production, real low-budget production. So it's got its idiosyncrasies, its little technical and production oddities. But you know what? At the end of the day... They did so much with what little money they had that they ultimately spawned an entire subgenre of movies. You know, the zombie yeah. film. Yeah. Or at least the zombie film as we know it today. Yeah. Do you know what time it is? It's time to get spooked. I think I know your spookiest moment in the movie. Since I close my eyes every time. 
Mm-hmm. When they go up the stairs yep. and find the dead body. With their face eaten off. Yep, that's pretty spooky. And, like, when I see the first time when Barbara walks by and I see the stairs, I'm like, nope. And then I close my yeah, eyes. preemptively. Yeah. There's also a really crazy loud jump scare moment when Barbara comes into the house and she walks into a room and there's this music sting. It's like, da-da! And all it is is she walks into a room where there are a bunch of animal heads on the wall. Yeah. And that startled the heck out of you this time. You, like, jumped. I was like, huh? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I saw it, too. I was like, what? <laughs> well, that, that was easy, right? There's our get spooked moments. Now let's talk about those scream themes. What's going yeah. on in this movie, man? What do you think a message here is? What do you think it's really about, like, on a deeper lesson learning level? Yeah. Like, what you have to do is, like, not argue with a person that's mm-hmm. trying to keep you safe from yeah. things that are trying to kill you. Or work together, more specifically, yeah. right? Yeah, work together. Maybe it's not about, like, listening and not arguing. It's more about being collaborative. Because you're right, Harry argues with Ben rather than helping Ben, and it gets everybody killed. Yeah, you're right. No, I mean, you're the one who pointed it out. <laughs> like, I'm not the right one here. You pointed it out. Yeah. So stop arguing, work together. That's a really good lesson. Um, There's also a racial component to that in this movie that I would be remiss if I didn't mention. But it's no accident, Alistair, that Ben is black and Harry is white. Yeah, you're right. So there is racial tension there between them as well that the movie really doesn't talk about. But to have a black protagonist like this in a movie in 1968 is speaking to something that was then very relevant to society. We're, you know, going through the whole civil rights movement and everything at the time, which we've talked about a little bit, you and I, and I won't get into too much here on the podcast. But this is definitely speaking to that as well. There's a racial tension there between them. And so it's not even just about you know, working together with other human beings. It's also about coming together as people of different races and understanding that we're all in this together. But truly, I would probably say Harry was probably very nice. You think outside of the movie, Harry was nice? I don't know. His wife doesn't like him. There is actually a line. She says something about we don't like living together, but like dying together is a whole different thing or something. She doesn't like him. So I don't think many people like Harry. No, maybe it's just in the movie. Oh, you mean the actor? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I am sure, just like you say here, that the actor who was Carl Hardman, who plays Harry, I'm sure Carl Hardman was a perfectly nice guy. Absolutely. Yeah. But, like, that's what acting is. You play a character, you put on this mask for the movie, the mask of the character, and you pretend to be this horrible person. Um, And without that, we wouldn't get the messages that we got. Yeah. But it is easy to watch a movie where somebody plays a bad guy and then to start thinking of them as a bad guy or whatever. It'll also happen a lot with something like wrestling, too. People will assume that bad guys in wrestling were actually bad guys. More so, I guess, in the old territorial days than nowadays. But, you know, yeah, absolutely. It's easy to confuse the two. Yeah, because... Probably everybody in wrestling are probably very nice guys. Well, maybe actually. not everybody, but a nah. fair amount of them, I'm sure. Yeah, a fair amount of them. Well, man, 
We sure knocked those segments out fast. Anything else to add about Night of the Living Dead? No. Well, awesome. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this. And hopefully for the remainder of October, you stick with us at least. And if you're listening to our show for the first time ever this month, stick with us after October because we do this all year long. We just do it, you know, with more veracity here in October, putting out more episodes. So stick with us. If you want to support the show, you can obviously, you know, send the episodes around. That is the biggest help, you know, just getting the word out there. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you listen to us. And if you want to throw a little money our way to help Alistair with his college fund and get some stuff for you as well, you can go to patreon.com slash word salad. We have a bunch of exclusive content there that we produce just for Patreon, um, which, you know, it's the least we can do. People are helping us out, helping Alistair out, you know, helping set up his future because he's here entertaining you now. He's, you know, seven. He doesn't have to do this. He could just be at the park. So I think he's doing a great job. And if you do, too, uh, and you want some extra content, as little as a dollar a month gets you access to all that. And I would say join it especially this month. Yeah, oh boy, we've got a lot of stuff this month. (laughs) Yeah. We should have two new things with the two of us and an episode of Cinemuck with my buddy Ken and maybe another exclusive, so at least three exclusive episodes of things this month and a, a couple more from last month as well and another couple more next month as well. So we are really putting out a lot of exclusives because we like recording. We have a lot of fun doing this. Yeah, we do. And uh, you can, of course, keep informed about what we do by following us on Instagram at... CadaverCast. You can find us on Twitter at Cadaver underscore cast. And you can find us on Facebook on the CadaverCast Critters and Creeps Club. Join the club! And if you want to send us an email, you can shoot us an email at cadavercast at gmail.com. Awesome. So, Alistair, get us signed out, my boy. You've been listening to another episode of Cadavercast. I'm Mel Burnham. And I'm Cadaver Dad Jeff Burnham. We love ya. Thanks, everybody, and have a happy Halloween if you don't catch us next week. They're coming to get you, Barbara!